The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run our website called youthrivehere.com, and I am here with our very own captain of the Starship Good and Plenty, the Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson, also <laughs> the senior minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How you doing, Raymond? Did you really just go good and plenty? Good and plenty. <laughs> Which I wish I had the little box with me because I... <laughs> Does it, do they even make that anymore? Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm doing exceedingly well, and yourself? I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, when we were talking before we mentioned The Mandalorian, and I thought we might talk a little bit more about that because um, it's it's an interesting show and it presents some challenges. Um, yeah. Now, this is the Star Wars uh, TV series spinoff. Yes. And IMDb says, I'm going to give you the official quote, it's the travels of a, lonely, of a lone bounty hunter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Bum, ba, dum. Bum, ba, dum. <laughs> now it stars Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, Gina Carano, and Warner Herzog are, are part of the cast there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about it? He's a bounty hunter, but he, his, his journey is altered. Yes, yes, very much so. So much, in fact, that after a while you question, is he still a bounty hunter? Like, is that what he still is? Or is that only entitled? It's like, hmm, it makes you wonder. Yeah, I think um, one of the really interesting aspects of it, he's kind of in this uh, sort of lost land of the Star Wars universe. It's kind of a, yeah, you know, it's a Star Wars Western, basically. And, um, you know, he gets pulled in an un- unexpected direction with uh, with a character named called the child which i'm sure by this point everybody knows what the child looks like and you know indicates you would think, you would think. i mean there are plush toys out now so you would think <laughs> well i mean to me it reminds me of the old uh, kung fu tv series do you remember that of, of, of course david carradine of course and, you know even uh, do you remember the incredible hulk tv show from the 80s 
Oh, you had to bring that up. You know, <laughs> you know my therapist is working with me to forget about that. Because every time I think B Bill Bixby, I go back to uh, Eddie's, what was the show called? Eddie's courtship, father. Courtship of Eddie. Courtship of Eddie's father. Yeah, that. Something like that. <laughs> yes, and seeing the Incredible Hulk wearing little green slippers when he should be barefoot but yeah okay yes i do remember both shows well, it kind of had a similar vibe in that you know yes. it was a lone guy going out and encountering people and um there's an overarching theme yes I mean, yes kung fu i think was a little bit better than incredible Hulk, <laughs> but you know for sure for sure uh, we are certainly dating ourselves now oh my god <laughs> good and plenty yeah. old 80s uh incredible hawk show my god yeah, yeah. It's all good though. It's all good. It, the, the good stuff comes back. So we're recycling it. If you say so. Yeah. But if anybody, you know, if, like you said, if you love the Western genre or the, the mythos of someone, you know, being the protector, then the Mandalorian is, is a show you should check out. Do you have any deeper thoughts about it? I mean, what, what metaphysical kind of concepts are you getting from it? So one would be the idea of what is yours to do. Hmm. So, you know, he starts off as, as bounty hunter and we don't know exactly why, but you know, that's the idea. And then something in him, conscience, whatever calls him to, to change up something. So it's just this idea of when truth steps in for us, what are we called to do? What are we called to shift or change or release? Um, and what are we willing to do? Because that's the key thing. What are we willing to do to walk that walk? Because he gives up a lot and risks a lot to break the code. So it's basically the same thing for us. You know, in New Thought, we're no longer following the code of whatever our previous religious teaching or dogma or, you know, status quo, whatever that is, scarcity consciousness or fear. Like we're not following that anymore. So what does it mean to break free from that idea, that code? And our adventures are certainly interesting as well as we traverse these uh, new paths. Amen to that. Did you see, have you watched The Good Place yet? No, not yet. It's on the list though. I plan on watching it. Oh my gosh. It's one of the best. It's in my top 10 series. That's how much I love it. Wow. It is the most hilarious metaphysical yeah. TV show you can you can imagine. And they just recently it ended, you know, with the, the final oh, outcome of it. things. Yeah, it was it was intended as a oh, four wow. as a four season show. Okay. Um, but the arc is amazing. Um it, it's basically it's about uh how four people encounter life after death and what that means and, right. and what their experiences are and it stars ted danson and Kristen bell and mm -hmm. william jackson harper and um I, I know that the first three seasons are on netflix now uh, the fourth season i don't know when, that, when that's going to show up but right. it's sort of you have to watch all of them i yeah. mean you, you have to, i mean the fourth season the end of the series I mean, you can't get metaphys more metaphysical than the end of the series. It, wow. Okay. It is impactful, but it's also hilarious. So while I am babysitting my grandchildren this Friday, I'm going, I know where I'll be. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going to love it. Okay, excellent. Cool. Looking forward. Okay, are you ready for Dueling Inspirations? 
Yes, I believe that I am. You don't sound too confident. Yeah, because, you know, I think, I think you beat me a couple of times most recently, and, you know, so I'm stretching this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go first this time. Okay, go for it. Life is sacred. Life is art. Life is sacred art. That's from Gabriel Roth. Oh, I like that. Yeah, have you ever, um, I, I, I actually found that in Julia Cameron's book, Prayers to the Great Creator, which mm, is okay. an amazing collection of uh, prayers and thoughts and um, philosophies about spirituality. It, it's really well worth looking into if you, if you don't, if you haven't already seen, encountered that book. Excellent. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I had it at one point and I lent it to somebody, which is why I don't lend my books out anymore. And I lent it to somebody and never got it back. Yeah, I haven't gotten my Firefly back from you yet. Ooh, ooh. And you haven't ooh, watched it yet, I'm betting. Ooh, so oh, <laughs> low punch. Okay, so <laughs> my turn. Uh, okay, so where am I going to start with this? Okay, come and let us reason together. Let us attend to our own sunshine and our own God nature. Shall not we be the God that sets the unhappy world into peace? Shall we not be the hot fire that shall consume the dross that now covers the brightness of men and women and children? It is by understanding our own splendor that we burn down the barriers that hide our ears from hearing the wonderful choirs that are now singing near us. It is by understanding our own hot splendor of intelligence that we burn off the scales that hide the sight of what is going on around us. Wow, that, that is awesome. Who's that? And good old Emma Curtis Hopkins from the book Esoteric Philosophy, Deeper Teachings on Spiritual Science. Wow, that's that's amazing. I love that. Uh, I have to, you know, I really have to read more of her because I haven't really dived into her material as much as I should. So I'm I'm going to look into that. Yeah, and she's a she's a rough one to read because some of her stuff you're like, wait, 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 what, 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 what? But one of the funny things is, and I don't know if you've heard this before, people say that whether you understand her or not, just by reading it. There was a vibration in her consciousness that just by reading her words, it shifts your consciousness and upgrades it as well. I'm like, that's deep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that is deep. It's deep. I read a th about a theory once that if you put a book underneath your pillow, you will absorb some of the information from that book. And I don't believe it. Well. <laughs> I don't believe it. But... But I like the concept. I mean, I read a lot and I'd like to absorb more of it. And, you know, sometimes I put some fiction in there. Maybe that'll work too. But check this out. But what if, okay, so humans, you know, we say we have an aura and we give off vibrations, right? Which yeah. is one reason why if you're sitting on the bus or whatever and someone stares at you, you can feel them staring at you because they're projecting energy. Well, if everything has a, an aura, an energy, a vibe, then why not books having their own auras and whatnot that some of it does come into our vibratory field? Hmm. Well, okay. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess I need to stop putting Charlie Brown under my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, no comment. Charlie Brown is extremely wise, though. Well, well that's, Snoopy that's is. true. Yes, that's true. <laughs> someday he'll kick that football. Someday. Someday. And I hope I'm there to see it. All right. So we've got Pam Grout coming up in a few minutes. Um, yes. She is a wonderful author uh, of many, many books. And uh, she's got a new book out on A Course of Miracles. And I can't wait to talk to her about it. For sure. Um, shall we jump into the show? Sounds good to me. Here's Sarah Bowen with a new segment. Hello, Big Universe listeners. This is spirituality author and multi-faith educator Sarah Bowen with another spiritual moment for you, drawing on insights from new thought and, of course, some pop culture. For today's segment, Jim and Raymont tossed me these words to work with, miracle and energy, and they are perfectly timed. I'm recording today's moment from Orlando. On the eve of my first visit to Galaxy's Edge, the new ish park for Star Wars addicts like me. It's probably not surprising that energy for me right now is about the Force. But what about miracles? So I grabbed my searchable version of A Course in Miracles and typed in Force. Admittedly, most of the uses of the word are about how ineffective it can be to force things. Yet in chapter 22, I found a winning passage. The section speaks about the light of the holy relationship, or in my Star Wars brain, about my relationship with the light side of the Force. Here's the quote. What can it be but universal blessing to look on what your father loves with charity? Extension of forgiveness is the Holy Spirit's function. Save no dark secrets that he cannot use but offer him the tiny gifts he can extend forever. He will take each one and make of it a potent force for peace. End quote. A Course in Miracles teaches us that each morning, as soon as it is practical for us to do so, we should take some quiet time with God. The Course reminds us we can have a day of happiness and inner peace if we let ourselves be directed throughout the day through our divine connection. Or in the Star Wars universe by being led by the Force. So let's take a moment to sink into this with a little mantra meditation inspired by Star Wars Rogue One. Here's how it works. Take a deep breath. Tune into the flow of life force within you. With your breaths, repeat the following words silently in your mind. On inhale, I am one with the Force. On exhale, the Force is with me. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Of course, if Force is not your preferred word for divinity, you can feel free to use any other word which makes sense for you. Repeat a few more times.
Now consider these questions. How can I deepen my connection with spirit today? How can I extend forgiveness to those around me? How can I be a force for peace? joining me for this spiritual moment. And thanks to Jim and Raymond for generously giving us this time together. For more practices drawing from spirituality and pop culture, check out my book Spiritual Rebel at spiritual-rebel.com universe. And may the source be with you. Our guest today is author extraordinaire Pam Grout, also known as Wonder Woman, I understand. <laughs> Pam Grout is a freelance writer who is published with Scientific American Explorations, Outside, Men's Journal, People Magazine, Travel and Leisure, and many other publications. She's the author of 20 books, the creator of the TV series Going Rogue, I want to hear about that, and, and the wacky proliferator behind two popular blogs. She's the author of several best-selling books, including E Squared, E Cubed, Think and Grow Rich, and her latest, The Course in Miracles Experiment, a starter kit for rewiring your mind and therefore the world. Her current focus is the 222 Foundation. She started to honor her magical daughter, Tasman, who's been guiding her from the non-physical since October 15, 2018. Pam can be reached at pamgrout.com. Welcome to Big Universe, Pam. Welcome. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Cool to have you. Yeah. It's so awesome to have you on, and we were just talking a minute ago about uh before we came on about uh, wonder woman i wanted to hear your thoughts on wonder woman why is she such a popular thing for you okay so i saw this amy cuddy ted talk have you guys seen it no i haven't she, seen it okay well it's a great ted talk she's a researcher at harvard and some of her research was about if you know again our physiology creates our state right so if she did all this research where if you stand in wonder woman pose which basically is you know hands on your hips standing tall it literally drops your cortisol levels and increases all the feel-good hormones and chemicals in your body. And so she did all kinds of research, like people that would stand in Wonder Woman pose for 30 seconds before they went into a job interview, before they took a test, and they would have stupendous results. Wow. So I sometimes, in fact, I get nervous speaking. So before I speak, I often will have everybody in the, in the audience get up and stand in Wonder Woman pose with me to kind of calm my fears and to get us going on the right thing. So, and I also have like little Wonder Woman underwear. I've got Wonder Woman dolls, I've got Wonder Woman everything. So it's a thing my daughter and I did, you know, I would send her Wonder Woman cookies and so anyway, it's just a thing. It's one of our many things. Very cool. Yeah. Well, All right, there she is, woo has got a Wonder Woman cup he just showed us. Yeah. Well, we were commenting before in, in Raymond, I guess this isn't a, a video so but anyway if you look at the back of his uh where he is there's all kinds of um superheroes behind him so of course he's the big superhero in front so i guess we're all superheroes right amen <laughs> amen that's what we're going to recognize yes that's right well i have uh i have one quick question um that i want you to answer in five seconds or less uh -oh. um, okay what's the most metaphysical thing you've ever heard it said in five seconds or less love 
Hey. Five seconds or less. Love. It's only love. It's only love. That was yeah. good. I wasn't yeah. sure I could come up with something, but I thought <laughs> I'd throw it to you. Oh. You know who we gonna call on if we ever get on a game show? <laughs> That's right. Oh, good. Impromptu answers are pretty good for me, but if you need all kinds of factual information, I'm probably not the person to call as your lifeline on a on a game show. But thank you for that nod of confidence. I got you. <laughs> so um, your new book is on, of course, in miracles, and I just for I know people have heard of this a lot in our our philosophy, but in case someone hasn't heard about it, can you give me a brief idea of what A Course in Miracles is? Yeah, it's a channel book, and it was channeled about 45 to 50 years ago, and it was two Columbia University professors. And, you know, there was a lot of department infighting. These guys just were not getting along. And one day out of frustration, Bill Thetford threw his hands in the air and says, there has got to be a better way. And almost immediately, his research associate started channeling, this is the better way. So this Course in Miracles basically was a collaboration between these two. And that's one thing the Course in Miracles says, it's like us working together. So these two working together, I think maybe seven or eight years, they literally, um, he would type up what she would get, these messages that she would get. But again, they were kind of like, do we want to tell people this? I mean, these are professors at Columbia University. But eventually, you know, they typed up the notes that they that they were getting, and it ended up being this really long book. And the first part is the text that kind of explains spiritual principles that the Course in Miracles is advocating. The second part is the workbook, and it's 365 lessons that talk about the mind rewiring that is necessary for all of us. And then the third part is the manual for teachers. And again, all of us are teachers, and all of us are students. I mean, that's kind of what it says. But anyway, that's what it was. And so just little by little, it has grown. In fact, it's one of those lessons that if you ask anybody at any kind of spiritual gathering, hey, have you heard of Course in Miracles or how many own a Course in Miracles? Pretty much 95% of the people will raise their hand and say, yes, I own a Course in Miracles. However, if you ask them how many people have actually done the lessons, have gone through the 365 lessons, all but one or two hands will go down. So that's the thing about Course in Miracles. And I feel like my assignment in this whole journey of A Course in Miracles was to turn it into something kind of more understandable and more fun. Because I always say that if something's not fun, if something's going to be sustainable, it has to be fun. Because if it's not fun, you're going to quit doing it eventually. So I've kind of rewritten the workbook lessons to be a little bit more entertaining and fun. So that was my part in the Course in Miracles. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I certainly am entertained and intrigued by, by your book. I've had a chance to take a look at it. And, um, you know, you do have some fun in there, which, you know, the course is very interesting and very, it, it's, it's simple and complex at the same time is the only way I can uh, 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 describe it for me anyway. And yeah, no, I think it's very true. The Course in Miracles is not hard. It's just so different than the way we've been living life. So that's the whole thing. And it does all boil down to love, you know? And um, so anyway, yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's very simple and very complex all at the same time. <laughs> and very so, profound, yeah. So what do you think is, okay, so you mentioned, you know, audience people raise their hand that they're familiar with it, but then when you say, so how many of you have done the lessons, uh -huh. hands come down. What do you think is the major impediment for people actually practicing it? Well, the thing I hear a lot from people, and in fact, the reason I wrote this book is I started blogging about A Course in Miracles um, in early 2018. 
and mm -hmm. people, and I was just doing it for my own fun and, you know, kind of following my own journey because I do it every year. I start on January 1st and people would say, oh, so that's what forgiveness means. And so, oh, so that's what this lesson is trying to say. And people started urging me, you need to turn this into a book. It wasn't like I had the idea to turn it into a book, but I kept getting this guidance. But I would say the big impediment that I hear from people is that it's just, you start out with all these great hopes and then eventually you just kind of, oh, what does this really mean? It's too complicated. And you know, our ego, which is, you know, what we're trying to get rid of will tell us, I mean, it's a crafty foe and it'll say, you know what? This is too long and boring. I don't have time to do this. So the ego starts piping and I think a lot of people um, end up giving up. And so it just seems too wordy. I mean, for one thing, it's how many thousand pages? This book is huge. I mean, that yeah. alone, just to pick it up. You know, exercises your arm muscles. So, <laughs> so I guess in some ways, the course in miracles could be a physical exercise as well as a spiritual exercise. <laughs> That's true. So, how did you dimensional beings? Yes. Yeah, exactly. When did you first encounter the course, and you know what what was the initial impact for you? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I went to a workshop one time and. This was in Kansas City. I had graduated from college and I was in Kansas City, you know, being a professional and, you know, following through on my career. And I went to this little class that was sponsored or it was held at Unity on the Plaza, which is in Kansas City. And this woman, it wasn't about Course in Miracles, but she happened to mention this book and suggested we all get it. It was called Love is Letting Go of Fear. And it was by Gerald Jampolsky. And it was one of the first books that were written about the Course in Miracles. Now, Gerald Jampolsky did not use the word God. He used the word love. But he ended up going on Johnny Carson even and talking about his book. And Johnny Carson, of course, said, oh, everybody should read this book. And so it kind of spawned the first interest in Course in Miracles, you know, out into the general public. But anyway, so Love is Letting Go of fear is a real simple book and it basically says there's love and there's fear and you know you're talking about it being simple that's really you know when it's all boiled down there's love and there's fear and, and love is the reality fear is just what we kind of created to hide love so to speak but anyway so i read i read that book and i thought i should get this course in miracles and so i did and like many people i kind of looked at it and you know eventually threw it aside but for whatever reason even though i still don't know that i completely understand everything I have gone through those lessons year after year after year because I feel like there's something there for them to teach me. I just somehow intuitively know that it's, you know, it's one of my paths or it is my path, the Course in Miracles. So I guess I've been doing it for a really long time, <laughs> you know, maybe 30 years or more. Yeah. So it, the very first part of the book, there is a comment at the very beginning. Can you read that? Oh, and from my book or from the Course in Miracles? I'm I'm having trouble today. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I don't have my original Course in Miracles in front of me, so I don't know that I can read it, but it does say something to, something to the fact that um, nothing real can be threatened. Herein lies the peace of God. That's so what I'm talking nothing about. Nothing real can be threatened. I mean, we feel threatened. We have all these other ideas that things are scary. But if it's real, it cannot be threatened. And Perfect. when we recognize that, that's the peace of God. Absolutely. Well, that's really wonderful. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Martha Creek joins us with a Unity Moment. Hi, this is Martha Creek, MarthaCreek.com to contact me. Infinite blessings today for you as we immerse ourselves in pure being and Holy Spirit, life, love, and wisdom, and continue our look into the five basic tenets of unity's philosophy and principles. So today, three. Thoughts create experiences. We're co-creators with God, creating reality through the thoughts we hold in our mind, creating experiences by what we choose to think and feel and believe. So, um, if I have a thought that something bad is going to happen, then that is based on my limited human understanding of what is bad. So, that in practice then, I must erase my own human limitations to take down and systematically dismantle the filing system that I set up of what is good and bad. I can say traffic should flow. It's like, well, traffic doesn't always flow. So how I experience traffic when it's not flowing is a part of my reality. It's a part of what I have created, not the traffic, not the flow of the traffic, at least as far as I know. If I had the power to make traffic flow, I sure would. But I do have the power to relate to it differently. So then regardless of what traffic does, I'm not a victim to the traffic. I'm not a hostage to the traffic. So changing what I can, accepting what I cannot, and the wisdom to know the difference. So then the power, all the power in the universe resides in how I relate to what's happening and change my own thought and mind and BS, my own belief system about what is happening. So then I can co-create a new reality. So if I go out to go somewhere and my tire's flat, no, I didn't create the flat tire. I didn't even know I had a tire till it went flat. I don't even think about having tires until they're flat. I, however, can create how am I going to relate to this flat tower? Flat tire. Blessings and love to you all. MarthaCreek.com. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio with Pam Grout. So, Pam, um, you read us a pretty profound beginning of the Course of Miracles. Can you give me an idea? What does that mean to you? Um, well, what it means is that if we're seeing anything like unhappiness, conflict, scarcity, anything that doesn't bring us unbridled joy, it's not real. And that's very hard for people to believe. Like, like I said, the main thing of the Course of Miracles, it, it's not difficult. It's just very hard. It's just very different than the way we've been doing life because we are so invested in what I call problem state. We believe that the world is scarce, that there's not enough to go around, that we're all alone, nobody loves us. I mean, these are the kind of things that we've created our world out of these sort of thoughts. But so what the Course is saying, that is not real. All those things that we believe or that we think are true, that we've created our world out of, are not real. The only thing that is real is the peace of God. The only thing that is real, and nothing, nothing can be threatened, this love, this peace, it cannot be threatened. Eventually, we will all recognize that. And on some level, we recognize it now. That's one of the things the Course says, is that even though we're living in this material world and we're seeing all these crazy things in the news and we're, you know, all these fears and whatever that we believe, this dysfunction that we believe to be true, at the same time, 
this other world is going on, that we're participating in this other world where there's only peace, there's only love, there's only joy. And so that's kind of a comforting thought to me. So the more we can put our focus on that bigger thing, where everything is working in divine order, really the happier we will be. I mean, we get the we get the choice to decide which one to focus on the world that we made and that's made out of our ego which is this world of scarcity or the world that is real <laughs> that's kind of a long answer for something so beautiful really just those you know that little line is all that you really need nothing real can be threatened you know love peace can't be threatened nothing unreal exists and therein lies the peace of god and if you get that that's all you need to know you can throw all the books in the trash can <laughs> Not yours, though. Not yours. Well, you can do that, exactly. too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, question. Um, I've heard many people say that A Course in Miracles, you know, and this is, this is their thing, is it's not compatible with certain other religions or philosophies. How would you respond to that? Oh, see, to me, it is compatible. In fact, I've got some friends that are really into Abraham Hicks, you know, the law of attraction. And I tell you what, the more I hear about that and hear the things that Esther, who, you know, channels that, the more it just totally relates to Course in Miracles in my mind. So uh, to me, it all, it all fits in, you know, it, the Course in Miracles is very clear. Our thoughts are creating our reality. I guess there is a spiritual path where people believe in sacrificing and in feeling lousy and in depriving themselves. And I, I suppose the Course in Miracles isn't in line with that <laughs> because the Course in Miracles says that happiness is our birthright. I mean, if we're not experiencing unceasing joy, then we are listening to our ego. That's you know, what the Course calls it, the ego or the, the material world, the world that is not real. The voice is attributed to Jesus in, in, in some perspective, I believe. Is that true? Or what, what is the voice attributed to? Yeah, I think a lot of people do say it's Jesus. It's like Jesus saying, hey, guys, this is what I meant. This is what I was trying to say. <laughs> right. So, this I mean. This is what you misinterpreted. To, what's that? This is what you misinterpreted. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it is. And a lot of people have a very personal relationship with Jesus by doing the course. For me, the part that really I relate to is what I call the holy S. In fact, I often call it JC and the holy S, you know, because that takes away the baggage. You know, there's so many words, so much baggage around a lot of really important concepts like God. That's why in this book, I rarely call it God. I call it you know, the divine buzz, the mothership, uh, radiant X. Because to me, we don't want any word to get in the way of this flow, this divine presence that is possible and that is there. So, um, so I don't know. And and Jesus Christ has some uh, baggage for some people as well. So I I tend to like really focus on the Holy Spirit because to me, that is you know there's just no baggage with that. So I uh, I really every time that you know a thought arises that is not what I want, I'll say Holy Spirit. Help me see this differently. And I would say that would be my, my simple explanation, my practice. Holy Spirit, help me see this differently. And of course, the Holy Spirit's always there. In the book, I talk about it. You guys see that movie, Arthur? You know, he's that rich guy that had that butler, Hobson, and all he had to do was ring his little silver bell. Yep. So I talk about the Holy Spirit kind of like Hobson. You know, this is always available. Just ring the silver bell and the help is on its way. I, I don't know whether people other the voice like it's it's outside of ourselves it's something else it's a being you know or the way some people think of god and the way you know i don't understand the connection with the holy spirit is that a separate entity or is it us or can you talk to that a little bit 
You know, I'm not sure I completely understand it either. I mean, in a lot of Christian religions, of course, they talk about, you know, the, the, the Trinity, you know, the Holy Spirit, man, and God. And um, I guess the Holy Spirit, kind of how I guess I would understand it or how I think of it is how it's my higher self. Uh, it's that highest voice that's within me, that truth we were talking about earlier. I can either be right. focusing on that material, um, you know, creation of mine, or I can focus on this higher truth. And to me, the Holy Spirit is the voice for that higher truth. So I have a question, if we can backtrack just a smidge. Sure. <laughs> being, being a minister, you know, every now and then folks come to me with, you know, the difficult questions. And I find that a lot of people love to metaphysical bypass or spiritual malpractice stuff. So when someone comes and they say something like, well, the coronavirus, you know, threatens, quote unquote, it threatens people's health and well-being, but it's not real. How does the Course in Miracles or how do you, how would you respond to that when someone wants to just say, oh, well, stop worrying about this or stop thinking about this. It's not real anyway. Well, on the biggest, highest um, plane we can be on, that would be true. Um, because most of us are still here on the material plane. Sometimes we do need, and in fact, the course is very clear about this. You know, if you feel that you need medicine or to wear a face mask or whatever these things are, do it. Because the last thing you want to do is, is um, generate more fear. I mean, that's the whole point is to try to get away from fear. So whatever you, whatever helps you, get closest to truth, go ahead and go for that. It may not be real, but it's certainly okay to believe that. And I know spiritual bypassing is something a lot of people do talk about. So I think the course gives us the remedy, like go ahead and, you know, never tell a brother he's wrong. <laughs> never, um, you know, disagree. Just keep holding that higher truth because right. eventually we will get to that higher truth where the coronavirus isn't real and, you know, that our, health can be threatened isn't real but we do have to deal with it how we're how we're you know thinking with it now but again i think that's a really perfect time to ask for guidance from the holy spirit to ring that little silver bell and say okay help me understand this help me do what's mine to do with this particular belief this particular ego formation that seems to be you know harassing the planet at the moment is there a particular part of the course that gives you the most challenge um, well, at times, all of it gives me <laughs> like that whole thing, I am not a body, I am free. And that's repeated over and over and over again. And that just seems so counterintuitive, like, well, I'm a body, I can see it here, I can feel it. So that one can be difficult for people. But I think what it means to me is that who I really am and what the truth is, I'm connected to every other human, every tree, every flower, and that's who I really am. And yes, I'm sort of this great divine spirit functioning through the body of Pam Grout at this particular moment, um, but it's not the highest truth of who I am, and I will go on. I, I, I saw a quote yesterday, I was talking about, um, I think it's from Deepak Chopra, he said, you know, when the light bulb breaks or burns out, the electricity is still there. So who we are right, right. is bigger than, we are the electricity, not the light bulb, so to speak, in that particular metaphor. Do you, when you approach it, um, do you ha ever encounter people that have trouble with the sort of fun approach to the course? I guess what I mean is in, in a lot of philosophies, I mean, just about every philosophy, there are people that 
a kind of more fundamentalist, that's kind of a strong word, but more <laughs> traditional versus, you know, kind of a, a, an open vision of philosophy. Do you ever have any uh, challenge with that? Well, I think the people that tend to uh, resonate with my work and the people that come to me tend to be more fundamentalists, right. <laughs> you know, as opposed to <laughs> fundamentalists. So because that's who's attracted to my work, there's certainly people that want to suffer and think it's totally to suffer. And there's a lot of teachers that they can work with if that's where they want to come from. But, you know, all paths lead to Rome, so to speak. And yeah. I think the people that are attracted to my work, the people that come to my workshops, in fact, I call them play shops, are people that do um, want to do it more the fun route. And I'm not saying the other way is wrong or not a perfectly legitimate path. I'm just saying my path, the one that I've chosen, is to focus more on the fun, to make it more fun, to make it lighter. I mean, to me, that's what spirituality is, is light. It's like lifting us up like a know a helium balloon you know it's like letting go of all that weight that's holding the helium balloon down and I think lightness is really important but again I'm not you know quibbling or suggesting that other people are wrong I do know there's a lot of people that think you've got to work at this you've got to work really hard at this you've got to follow these seven steps well that is a valid way to get there but you can also get there by simply letting go of all the baggage you know just dropping it and letting that helium balloon rise so you mentioned, or actually Jim mentioned as part of your bio, that you have a rather interesting continued relationship with your daughter who is no longer in the physical. Can you share how that is? How do you connect with her and the importance of having that connection? Well, one of the things, in fact, the very opening of my book says, for Taz, I could never live without you, so I don't. And I think losing my daughter was potentially the most challenging thing that I've ever gone through. You know, it challenges every belief that I've ever had. But just like I, I can look back at those pictures of her in kindergarten when she's wearing a little flower dress and the pink backpack. And I recognize, well, she was no longer that little girl. She was no longer the baby that was lying in the bassinet when she was first born. And now she's no longer in human form. And so each time as she'd grow and she'd change and she'd evolve, as a mom, I had to adapt to that new form of her. You know, she became a teenager. She became a brilliant, bright adult. And so my relationship with her in each of those different stages had to evolve. And so now I am evolving to, um, you know, continue my relationship with her in non-physical. And the thing that's been so cool to me is that so many people, you know, we have all those little, the 222 thing, we have the yeah, hedgehog yeah. thing, we have all these different signs. And now I hear from people literally all over the world that are seeing 222 and that are, you know, filling these messages from Taz. So I feel like something a whole lot bigger is afoot. And I'm just sort of here waiting with excitement to find out what exactly my part is, you know, I'm just willing to play my part with that. In fact, this afternoon, after this interview, I'm meeting with a medium who I've been to before, and we're sort of discussing possibly writing a book, you know, with Taz and me and her. So, you know, that could be on the horizon. And I'm just really open to, you know, following my path, listening to Holy Spirit's guidance and doing, you know, what is mine to do. Tell so, us about the foundation, the 222 Foundation that honors your daughter. Yeah, well, she died about, um, let's see, it's been 15 months ago. And right after she died, I immediately had the vision to start 222 Foundation, because 222 was a special number that we had, something she started in 
in junior high and you know so it got to be a thing for us like she started talking about 222 all the time and so it was kind of cool we went to alaska and we got hotel room 222 we went to london we got hotel room 222 so you know all these 222s and so she and i would always send each other pictures whenever we see 222 it's just a thing so it just became the perfect date um you know to, to have a grant and so last year on 222 which would have been about three months after she passed we gave our first grant to a, a place in Agra, India that I had been to and had left some of Kaz, Kaz's ashes there. In fact, that was really cool. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Taj Mahal, but I was in yeah. India for a thing called Tribes for Good. And so my friend who went with me, um, we thought, well, let's go to the Taj Mahal. We're in India, but we get there and this is the coolest thing. The woman that the whole Taj Mahal is dedicated to was the Sheik's favorite wife. I mean, this is way back when, but her name, this whole entire amazing marble tribute to love was made to a woman named Mum Taz. That was her name, Mum Taz. So we get there and the guide says, yeah, it took, it took um, 22,000 workers 20 years to build the Taj Mahal. So there's another 222 thing. So I, it became very clear to me right away that I needed to leave part of her ashes there. So then we leave the Taj Mahal after just being blown away and just entering this miraculous state. And we run into this little place, it's called Shiro's Hangout. And it's run, it's near, near the Taj Mahal, and it's run by women who um, were victims. I kind of hate that word victims, but they had acid thrown on them by their significant <laughs> others. You know, in India, it's still a very patriarchal culture. And these men, if, if, you know, if their wives didn't produce a male heir right away, sometimes they'll get mad and they'll throw acid and literally burns their skin, disfigures them. But here, these women had every reason to hide and to, you know, they're, like outcasts but they've chosen they've banded together and they've chosen to start this shiro's hangout and they give away food coffee tea it's just a little you know cafe coffee shop and they give it completely for free and of course people come in and get to know their story and get to know them and it's given them hope and so i guess kind of the mission of the 222 foundation is to change the consciousness of the world and of mm. course the consciousness of the world would say oh it's all over you're you know, all you can do is take because, you know, you've had acid thrown on you. But these women are changing the conscience of the world by giving. And so I feel like Taz led me there and that ended up being the recipient of the, you know, the first recipient of the 222 Foundation. I recently put out a call for entries for this year's 222 um, uh, award. And I got 100 entries or 100 people that applied. And then I narrowed it down to 15 and I just about got it down to two recipients this year. So I will be announcing that on February 22nd. But basically it's a foundation that I started to honor Taz and to honor her mission. She was just, you know, like fiercely creative. She was just so creative. She was so open and beautiful. I mean, she never criticized anybody. She never ever i mean she wasn't into all the makeup and things that her friends were into i mean she just always kind of got it you know from the very beginning so it's a way of honoring you know her way of looking at the world and a way of um, you know changing the consciousness so so anyway that's what the 222 foundation is all about and it's still evolving just like everything else in my life what a wonderful tribute what a wonderful yes. tribute yes for sure and connection yeah which is yeah. important uh your own spiritual path per se, uh, how did you evolve into, you know, becoming the author and the spiritual writer and uh, play shop facilitator? It's <laughs> what led you to this particular spiritual path? Well, 
that's a good question. <laughs> um, I always was interested in spirituality. In fact, I kind of believe everybody is. We just don't always know it. But I've always been interested in spirituality. Um, I grew up, my father was a Methodist minister. So I grew up in kind of the strictures of a pretty traditional um, upbringing. But again, Jesus and God and all that stuff was part of my upbringing. And then as I got older, um, it didn't quite make sense to me. Some of the people that supposedly God was discriminating against are like, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, people in India, for example, how, how can God, you know, send them to hell because they don't believe in Jesus or whatever. So I started questioning some of, some of my beliefs. And then I just um, kind of happened onto a much more inclusive spirituality, you know, kind of starting in probably late high school and on into college. And then again, I, I, after college, I was in Kansas City. Of course, that's where unity is. And of course, you run into a lot of unitics, as we call ourselves. Right. That spirituality just really resonated with me. I started going to a unity church. And um, so anyway, yeah, it just, it just kind of has evolved over the years um, to where that spirituality just really speaks to me. Very cool. So, you know, uh, being a preacher's kid, you know, I'm curious to know uh, how the family received that. But I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going <laughs> to ask you something else. So one of the things that Jim and I often talk about or ask our guests about how how does your spiritual practice show up on a day to day basis to help you navigate through some of the things you talked about before, like news or scarcity? Do you have any particular practices that you yeah, I think my writing has just been the consistent practice that I've done throughout my life. And I, I do, I think Julia Cameron first called it morning pages, you know, where you write three pages yep. a day. So I tend to do that. And I get a lot of ideas, a lot of inspiration through that. I read my Course in Miracles. And then basically, I anytime, you know, some problem crops up, you know, again, I appeal to the Holy Spirit to help me see things differently. So it's really an ongoing process. I talked in East Bridge, you know, the book that became the big international bestseller. But in some ways, it's like housebreaking a puppy. We have to keep training our minds. We have to keep taking it back outside and showing <laughs> it this bigger reality. And I feel like I continue to be training my puppy, <laughs> my, you know, housebreaking my puppy because, you know, it's just so, you know, the news, so many things would tempt me to go back and, you know, pee on the house slippers, <laughs> whatever, but no, you know, so I just have to keep training. So, no, I guess I don't feel like I've gotten there. I think some people just wake up completely like Eckhart Tolle, maybe, or Byron Katie, but I think the rest of us, or at least in my situation, I have to continue to train, <laughs> housebreak the puppy, so, so yeah, so it's a daily practice, and I find, oh, one thing I started, and I don't know, pretty much everybody that's ever heard of me knows about my AA 2.0 program. Are you guys familiar with that? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, I love this because, you know, you've heard of the first AA, right? The 12-step program. Uh -huh. well, I'm all about smooth and easy. So my AA 2.0 has two steps. And the first step is I get up every morning. And first thing I do before I jump out of bed is I say, something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. So it's like setting that intention. You know, setting, because the Course of Miracles has set that intention for a beautiful day. So then the second part of that, the second step of my AA 2.0 is that I have what I call my possibility posse and it's six friends and we text each other blessings from the day before. We literally document something we're grateful for that happened the day before. And unlike some gratitude practices, you know, I've always said, oh, I'm so grateful for my daughter. I'm so grateful for my career. You know, I've said that a million times. 
but this time I'm responsible to find something brand new to be grateful for. So I feel like I'm Lewis and Clark. I'm out there scouting for, for miracles. In fact, if you've got a copy of the new book, you'll notice that um, in the front of the book, in the back of the book, that's something my daughter had made for me, a calendar that she gave to me. And it says something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me. But then she goes through the alphabet, bodaciously, beautiful, captivatingly, cosmic, or I, you know, anyway, all those through there. And she made those. So it's like, I kind of got tired of saying amazingly awesome, even though the AA 2.0, that's where that came from. But, you know, so now I sometimes say something epically extraordinary is going to happen to me today. But again, I set that intention. I don't ask for what it's going to be. It's like, I just trust that if I'm letting go and if none of my stories are running, you know, my programming is running, then I will have an extraordinarily epic day. So that's really what I ask for. I set that intention. First thing, first thing. And then I, you know, count my blessings. And then I go from there. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Pam, the what time. Is more about that, if like, is that on your website or anything? Oh, the AA. You know, I have a book called Thank and Grow Rich, which is obviously a takeoff on mm -hmm. Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. and I talk about my AA 2.0 program okay. in there. In fact, pretty much every interview I've done, and since you know E Squared became you know translated to 40 languages, a big bestseller, okay. I've been interviewed by a lot of people, and so I've talked about this a lot. Okay. But it is sort of the basis of the book Thank and Grow Rich. So um, if you want to read about it, and I think it's on my website too. You could probably Google for my website and put in AA 2.0, and you probably okay. find it. I, I have Thank and Grow Rich, too. It's a wonderful book as well. Oh, thank you. Well, Pam, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been fun to hang out with you guys. Thank you. Where can people get more information about you? Um, if you know my name, you can find me everywhere. You know, pamgrab.com is my um, website. And I have, I've been writing blogs. In fact, that's, you know, what this book evolved from. But there's all kinds of free blog posts on there, literally like 600 blog posts on there. And people can get their daily dose of inspiration by going there. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You know, just Pam Grout. If you know my name, you can find me. Your new book is The Course in Miracles Experiment. And I know it's available on Amazon.com because I did purchase it from there. <laughs> So please go out and get her book. Um, yes, just another yes. another book in a wonderful au revoir. Can I use that? Au revoir of, <laughs> of uh, wonderful work. And um, uh, please go to our website, pamgrout.com. For more information about Raymond, go to raymondanderson.com. I've got premium video courses from amazing instructors on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.